Great to be with you this morning. If you uh, have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to John 4, verse 19. If you don't have a Bible or don't own a Bible, there are always Bibles in the back, so feel free to grab one of those for yourself or a friend and uh, take it home, make it your own. Uh, We are continuing in our series called Restoration in the Church, in which we contemplate what it looks like to be uh, a vibrant, living church in the midst of spiritual decline across the Western world. Uh, What would it look like for God's church in the West to be restored in this moment, to uh, come alive as God intends, and to be agents of restoration to the dying culture around us. Uh, We pick up this morning in John 4, verse 19. For context, Jesus is at a well talking with a Samaritan woman, which in his day and age was very taboo, but he's essentially offering her eternal life. And in the process of chatting with her, he lays out her life story, Uh, And this is her response to everything that he said, starting in verse 19. Uh, She says, Sir, the woman said, I can see you are a prophet. And then she shifts to talking about worship of all things. She says, Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, A time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kinds of worshipers the Father seeks." God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, we are all coming into the room, into the gathering, into uh, sort of a unique experience of your presence. Uh, One God, one baptism, one spirit, one um, family all adopted in by the Father, And yet as we come this morning, Lord, we come with our own unique personalities and wiring and gifts and our own experiences moment by moment. Uh, I know that for myself personally, this weekend was just full of what felt like testing uh, and and disappointment and uh, frustration and sort of uh, fighting off, no, I don't don't want to slip toward self-pity or despair. I I I want something better than that. And, and yet some people are coming in this morning uh, with tons of joy, just eyes wide open, ready to celebrate who you are. And, and others, uh, maybe a lot worse than where I'm at this morning, uh, wrestling with some very serious things, loss uh, of, of a loved one, anxiety and depression, uncertainty uh, about the future, um, all the different things that we wrestle through. Lord, uh, would you speak to each one this morning? You never ever ask us to be something other than what we are, Uh, would we just um, feel free in your love, bringing the fullness of who we are before your throne, where where we find acceptance in Jesus, where we find your love, 
uh, as a banner over us. Lord, would you come? We read in the scriptures, perfect love uh, casts out fear. Uh, Would you come in your perfect love, Lord? And would you cast out fear in this place? Would you usher us into a deeper place of intimacy with you? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Sounds louder than usual up there today. Um, I'm guessing the kids' leaders are like running around with them or something. Uh, But as we uh, continue in our series and we contemplate uh, what it looks like to be a living, vibrant church, we open up the New Testament and say, Lord, what is your church supposed to look like? Uh, What what is a living, vibrant, active, spirit-filled church supposed to look like? It isn't long before we are forced to the topic of worship. In fact, when it comes to being the New Testament people of God, when it comes to being the church that God desires under the new covenant, worship is surprisingly central to the conversation. If you were to ask me personally, hey, what marks the people of God, the true people of God, uh, as the people of God? What does it mean to be God's people under the new covenant? Uh, I would point to theology. 100%. Me personally, I would say it's about what you believe. It's about having accurate, clear view, saying, yes, I believe Jesus is Lord, that he's God incarnate, that he rose from the dead. It's about what you believe. And while Jesus mentions truth in the passage that we just mentioned, his answer, and in fact, the New Testament's answer, uh, actually has to do with worship and the Spirit. Jesus says, a time is coming and has now come in and through him when the true worshipers of God will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. In other words, this is what God is after. These are the followers, worshipers, children that he desires to have. So a quick word on each. First, truth, and then the Spirit. Uh, First, Jesus wants us to worship, quote, in truth. And I believe that that's multidimensional. It means that we sing songs about him that are true and theologically rich, Uh, It means that we believe true and accurate things about him, and that forms and shapes our worship. And it also means that we bring our true selves before him as we worship. So on the leadership end, as we think about a passage like this, it means that we are committed to selecting songs that are, are theologically rich and accurate, that enhance our understanding of who God is, not just what's trendy in the moment. It also means that we work hard to display the truth of God uh, week in and week out from Scripture to root everyone in the radical grace of God. If we have a blurred image of who God is, if we slip into a sort of dry, uh, rule-based, moralistic religion, which is not found in the New Testament, then, and, and it blurs our image of God, it will kill our worship in the process. Because you're basing everything on something that's not true. 
when we're rooted in the truth of what Scripture says about who God is, what He's done, what, who He's made us to be, that becomes the basis for our worship before Him. So, so we uh, teach week in and week out the truth of God from Scripture because that becomes the basis of accurate worship before Him. Jesus said in this conversation, He says, You Samaritans worship what you do not know. And part of the reason that we teach week in and week out is because we want you to worship what you do know. Jesus says, you shall know the truth. There's that word again. And the truth shall set you free. When we recognize who Jesus is and what he's done for us, our natural response becomes one of freedom and worship. And the reverse is also true. If you never get anything out of worship, it could be that you've missed the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And we see this very clearly in the Old Testament experience. Uh, when the Israelites were in captivity, when they were in bondage, they, they say, hey, how can we sing the songs of God in a foreign land or in a place of bondage? Like, we, we just can't do that. Like, the, it's so hard to, to worship from that place of bondage. But eventually, they get the joy of having the opposite experience. They're freed from captivity. They're led out. And Psalm 126 says, When the Lord brought back the captives of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with joyful shouting. Period. Uh, Do we we see ourselves as captives who have been released from bondage? Jesus came, he appeared, he stepped into humanity to to free us from the great human enemies. Not political enemies in, in the terms that the Israelites thought, but Satan, sin, and death. The, the true universal enemies of humanity. He, he stepped in, in his own words, to set the captive free. And, and so when we understand and receive the truth about him, we experience that freedom from those very real forces that seek to enslave us. And, and what happens through that, as those chains are released, as we're freed up from those things, we should have an experience that's similar to the Israelites. Hey, when we're stuck in that bondage, if I'm in bondage to Satan, sin, and death, it's really hard to worship in a vibrant way. But, but when the truth comes and sets me free from that, one, one of the natural expressions, it's almost the opposite experience. Like, how could I not? How, how could I not respond to the glorious freedom that he's one for me. So first there's truth. We teach the truth. We sing, and I, I probably get it wrong sometimes, okay? I'm not infallible. But our aim, our goal is to teach the truth from Scripture, to sing the truth in the songs that we sing. It becomes the, the basis of our worship. And finally, that final aspect of truth is that we bring our true selves before him as we come. So there is this aspect in worship in which, yeah, I actually 
kind of stir myself up in a sense. I intentionally bring my heart before him and almost preach the gospel to myself, remind my own soul what he's done. But we don't fake it. Like we don't say, oh, that person's a really good worshiper. I need to look like them. Or I shouldn't be feeling sad today. Or I shouldn't be feeling depressed or whatever it is. Like, no, no, no. He says, worship in truth. You bring what you've got into a place of encounter with the living God. And then there's the Spirit. Jesus says, God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. This is to uh, mark us as the people of God. What do true worshipers do? What are the New Covenant, New Testament people to do? Well, we worship God in the Spirit. Paul says it this way. This language might sound foreign to some of us, but Paul says, for we are the true circumcision. In other words, we are marked as the true people of God who worship in the Spirit of God. Isn't that interesting? That he says, no, no, you're marked by something deeper than flesh, and and what marks you as the people of God is worshiping in the Spirit. This is a defining element of the new covenant people of God. Jesus says, a time is coming and has now come when this is the reality. These are the types of worshipers that God is looking for. So without getting too uh, surgical with all of this, we still need to ask, what does this mean? What, what does that mean to worship? If I say, everyone stand up, we're going to worship in the Spirit. Okay, like, wh- wh- can, you, can you help me out a little bit? What does the New Testament mean by, by worshiping in the Spirit? Well, part of the answer to that is that it's a participatory, a spirit-involved, spirit-filled event. Paul says, when you come together, each of you has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. And in another passage, he says, let the message of Christ dwell richly among you as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. This sort of describes what New Testament church looks like. When we gather here on a Sunday, when we gather in small groups, on a Wednesday night in someone's living room, worshiping in the Spirit involves some of these things, gifts and manifestations of the Spirit, It involves a free sort of expression of what God has put on your heart. Notice that the sheer variety that's mentioned in some of these lists. And it should lead, all of this should lead to a place of encounter. Where where as we lean in, as we quote worship in the Spirit, the Spirit is God's presence with us. So as we're worshiping in the Spirit, as we're bringing who we are and what we've got, as we're open to the stuff that the Spirit does, it should lead to a place of encounter. 
Terry Virgo says it this way. He says, a time of worship is a fresh opportunity to get to know God. We can grow in faith as we declare glorious truths about him and to him. Often there will be a freedom coming from him as we touch his holiness and experience his life, melting our hearts afresh. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. Next slide. It is the truth that sets us free. And truth sung with faith and in the power of the Spirit can have a mighty liberating effect upon us. It sometimes takes time to develop from praise into heartfelt adoration. Our hearts need to be tuned into God's presence and power. Worship must be in the Spirit as well as in truth. And we should expect our emotions to be roused. It doesn't mean we're faking anything, but it means as we come into the presence of God and speak the truth in his presence, something should happen in our souls. So worshiping in the spirit is based on the presence of God. It's about coming consciously into the presence of God, bringing our true and full selves before him um, and, and encountering him as he is. Paul says some of that's going to include being open to the stuff that the Spirit does, being open to receiving in him, and even sharing that when you feel led to share that. Um, it's, it's not about the type of music that's being played. It's not about the style or volume or the age of the music or any of that, though sometimes that can make a difference, make it more difficult or less difficult to enter in, but it's not about that. Um, it, it's not about the style of music. It's not about how polished it is. Um, it's not about the lights or the fog machines or any of that stuff, right? Saying that, that's not, that has nothing to do with worshiping in the spirit as the New Testament describes. It, it, it's about an awareness there's a first aid kit up there, so there should be fine. It's, it's about an awareness uh, it, in, uh, of God's presence. It's about a heart posture. Uh, and this was brought home to me powerfully uh, several years ago when I attended a small uh, pastor's conference on Steve Oliver's farm in South Africa. Uh, this was shortly after we planted the church. And it was a week-long event, and about 12 or 15 of us had, had flown out to South Africa to be part of this, part of this thing. It was a week-long thing, but every morning, what, what really impacted me the most was that every morning, we would gather in this big uh, white tent, and we would worship. We would spend time worshiping. And not like, oh, 10 minutes as kind of a formality before we get to the teaching. Like, no, it was like an hour of worship purely for the sake of worshiping. Like, no agenda, no time limit. Like, we're just going to come together and worship the Lord. And uh, there was, there's only 12 to 15 of us, so a smaller group, more like a, well, the size of like a missional community. A lot of the things we've been talking about over the last few weeks are actually, uh, it's easier to start experiencing them in small groups 
and in the safety of a living room with people that you mostly kind of know. Uh, and, and that was sort of my experience was in this smaller group, but people from all over the world um, in this small group. And uh, all we had in this tent was an acoustic guitar. And all they played on this acoustic guitar were like outdated songs from the 90s. Okay? I wasn't a Christian in the 90s. I didn't know the songs. I was like, the, I don't, these are old enough that they're not like old enough to be like classic hymns, but they're like outdated. And I don't know these songs that you're singing. They sound like they're from the 90s. Um, and, and so and when we first started, you know, worshiping, Honestly, there was a little bit of, of like, I had just come out of like trendy mega church with like worship, a worship pastor whose name you would know, who's like nationally famous. Everything was just so like polished and, and trendy and just well done. And then I jumped into this, this place and I have to admit there was almost a little bit of judgment of like, seriously, like, have you guys heard of Hillsong? Like, does anybody like, can we just update this a little bit? Uh, but then as we got into the worship, I was floored by the presence of God. And these 12 or 15 people, the way they were worshiping was not a way I was accustomed to worshiping. They were crying out to God. Some people just had this sheer joy. I was like, I've never been that joyful in worship. Others were like repenting of sin and asking for forgiveness, and crying out for more of the Spirit of God. People were stepping out freely. In the middle of a song, someone would just step out and just begin prophesying. Hey, this is what I sense the Lord's doing right now. This is what I sense we ought to pray for, what we ought to do. People were speaking in tongues. I'd never heard anyone speak in tongues before. I saw it in Scripture. I'd never heard it. And people were singing out, praying in tongues. And, and it was this electric atmosphere. And by comparison, to be honest, I, I felt really cold. Like before going into the first worship thing, if you had asked me, are you passionate? Yeah, I'm a passionate worshiper. I love worship. I sing all of the songs. I raise my hands. I just like, worship is a very encouraging thing for me. And all of a sudden, I got into this, uh, this atmosphere that looked a lot more like the, the New Testament worship that we read about in the early church. And I just felt cold. Felt like there was this like hardened layer around my heart. And over those mornings together, I felt like God started strip, sort of cracking those, those hardened layers and sort of stripping that stuff back. And I was in this environment and I got hungry. I was like, God, I, I, there's more of you. Like, there's just so much more of you that's here, that's available. I, I had settled. I didn't even know there was more. I didn't even know there was more that I could, I could be reaching for, be asking for. And in that environment, it was just this place of incredible encounter. And I got hungrier and hungrier throughout the week. And actually, on our last morning together, uh, I received the gift of tongues, which, honestly, I never, ever thought, like, no, anyone else in the room but me will not happen to me. But I was, I was hungry and I was asking and I received that. And that final morning, my heart was just cracked open in an incredible way. And to, to be honest, I've never thought about worship and prayer the same way since. Never. You say, oh, what, those, what, what, why do we mess with all these gifts and this weird, why don't we just keep to what's safe? Once you've tasted that, like you, you never want to go back. 
I can't. I cannot go back to the way I thought about worship and prayer before. There's a fresh desire there. There's a fresh passion. And this this is the stuff that we read about in the New Testament. I want, I want my people to worship me in the spirit and in truth. Where the truth is blurred and the spirit is quenched, worship will wither and eventually die. And, and as, as worship in a place becomes dead, something in us begins to die, too. And, and, and as sort of death creeps in to worship and creeps into individual hearts, whole churches can die because of a, a, an emaciated approach to worship. Jesus says, the Father is seeking people who will worship him in the spirit and in truth, who will bring their real selves. If you're hungry this morning, bring that before God. If you're not at all hungry this morning, bring that before God. If you're like, I'm not even a follower of Jesus, I don't even know what I'm doing here. I don't like, bring it before the Lord. The true worshipers will bring their real selves before God and what's really on our hearts. If it's a hymn, a song from the Spirit, a word of knowledge, a prophetic word to build up the truth, what, what is it that's on your heart? He says, bring that. The Father's seeking worshipers who will worship in spirit and in truth. And as we do that, as we come together with a, with a heart that leans in, with a heart of participation, with a heart of sharing who we are, first and foremost with God, saying, God, I will let you in. I will share who I am with you. Out of that, it's like the first and second commandment. As we do that, you're, he's also going to lead you to share who you are with others in quiet ways and in loud ways, in subtle ways and in obvious ways. If you come with a heart posture of God, I come as I am in truth. I'm going to share that with you. I'm going to share that with others. We come into this place of encounter. And that's the point. A startling percentage of evangelical Christians in America, big, broad umbrella, includes us. A startling percentage said have reported in surveys I do not feel like I encounter God in my religious gathering. Huge percentage. I do not, just think about that. We gather to encounter, I don't feel like I encounter him. That is such an incredibly sad statement about the church in America. What are we doing? We're we're, We're too afraid, we're too hesitant to grab hold of what we see in Scripture. So we shrink back and we say, I'm going to keep it safe. We're going to keep it tidy, but I don't encounter God. 
open the pages of the New Testament, we see another way, a better way to think about a gathering, to think about what happens in worship. We come together, we seek Him, we share who we are, we allow the Spirit to to fill us, to encourage us, to transform us, to manifest Himself through us in the ways that He desires. And, And we begin to come alive to worship, encounter God as he wants to be encountered. There's so much more that I could say about worship this morning. Uh, I'm going to bite my tongue really hard right now. Uh, And I'm going to invite the worship team back up. And we're just going to spend some time practicing this. And it's just like anything else. You say, I want to grow in the practice of fasting. I want to grow in prayer. I want to grow in, you know, operating in the prophetic, whatever it is, the only way to grow in any of those things is to do them. So as you say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to practice this, uh, and practice in growing in this. And so um, this is my recommendation. Just a few thoughts as we worship together this morning. Um, First, bring your true self, not a false version. Uh, By by this point in the weekend, just because I don't have time to share the full backstory, but I, it's been a frustrating weekend, and I was tired. I was tired this morning. Um, my you know, wife and most of our kids stayed home. We were wiped out from hosting and a bunch of other stuff that happened. And it's like, I'm, I'm tired this morning. Um, would I be going to church if I didn't have to lead this morning? I don't know. And so I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fit. I'm just going to bring that. It's like, Lord, I'm, I'm tired this morning. I'm frustrated. There was a lot, of, a lot of dreams that in one weekend got sort of crushed or delayed. Or, but you're worthy. I'm going to come and I just want to meet with you. Wherever you're at, whatever you're feeling, you bring your true self to him. You focus on God, on who God is and what he's done. Oh, Lord, you're leading us on the real, on the real exodus from our true enemies into the real promised land. That's who you are. You're you're with us right now. And finally, be open to worshiping from the heart and quote, in the spirit. Whatever Whatever that means to you this morning. Psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, sharing words of encouragement and instruction for the building up of the church. That's not an exhaustive list. What does it look like for you to to encounter God, to bring your real self before Him, to worship in the Spirit? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to spend some time seeking the Lord together and enjoying His presence. Uh, I, I think for me, when I first encountered what I would call spirit-filled worship, it was, it was pure joy, but also challenge at the same time. And, and so no matter where you're at on that spectrum, just know like it's, he's here, he's with you, he loves you. So we were praying before the gathering, it's just reminded, it's so simple, but, but his perfect love casts out fear. This is based on the love of God, receiving his love, feeling secure in his love. And out of that, oh man, we can taste something deeper. Let's 
pray. Jesus, we come before you now, um, and as a community, we just want to practice worship. We want to practice worshiping in the spirit and in truth. Lord, each one of us, because of the nature of our reality, is carrying some amount of truth and some amount of lies. Lies about our own sinfulness post-Jesus. Lies about our own inadequacy. Lies about what we should fear and what we should not fear. Lord, would you come as the truth and speak into our lives this morning? You say the truth will set us free, Jesus, and we we need your freedom. So would you come, Holy Spirit, and first and foremost, would you lead us into the truth of who you are? Would you speak the truth to each one about who you've made us to be? It's your truth that sets us free. And finally, Lord, would you teach us what it looks like to worship in the Spirit? For many of us in the room, it might not even look much different on the outside, but what's happening on the inside can be profoundly different as we bring our, our full and real selves before you. We come to meet with you now, Jesus. Would you come and meet with us? In Jesus' name. Amen. spend some time together in worship and during this time you are absolutely free you can sing you can be silent you can sit you can stand you can kneel if you feel like the lord stirs something within you uh, and encouraging the prophetic word for the body and um, coulter who was up here before you can go and chat with him and he'll weigh that with you decide if it's something that uh, can and should be brought uh, to, to encourage and build up the body this morning, and we're going to worship together.